This Blitz podcast is brought to you by Bravado Wireless. Available online at bravadowireless.com. Let's uh, hit up the hotline and welcome in Josh McQuistion from Sooner Scoop. What's up, Josh? How are you today, man? You know, I was listening to that audio, and I, you know, it, it kind of reminds me of, and it's an old adage, but I saw something the other day when they're like, "Have you ever, even at a zoo, been close to a bear?" Like, don't like you can't appreciate the size and the how <laughs> physically overmatched you are until you get close yeah. to one. Yeah, that's kind of like OU softball. Like, don't mess with. Like, leave it be. Like, I if know. you see it, go the other way. Like, I, I again, credit to Baylor. It's a good program. But like, we're not talking about like, oh, this team might be the favorite. We're talking about you know a team that's on a run that doesn't even show signs of slowing down any time in the foreseeable future. Like, don't mess with them. Leave them be. Yeah, listen. I think she was the reigning Big 12 player of the week. She's feeling herself right now. Baylor's feeling themselves. It's been a really good season. But I think that that's something that you should probably keep internally. Like, again, if you need that to motivate yourself behind the scenes, then so be it. But, hey, sometimes you uh, you say it out loud, then you gotta, you, you, you got to weather the storm. And like you said, to see the power of the, some of the animals and just ask people that have owned, like, chimpanzees, right? Like, oh, they're cute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, until they rip your face off, and then you got to get facial reconstruction surgery for crying out loud. Like, yeah, like, just you better be careful. But I, I just found that humorous, Josh. I'm glad I'm not the only one that that kind of chuckled out loud at that and was like, okay, hey. Ah. Yeah. I, you know, I, I again, the every time we've ever seen this softball team come out and have, like, a true motivation, like have something that kind of spurred them on, it's gone really poorly for the other team. Like, I, I like, I just, man, I, I don't know. Yes, it has. Yes, it has indeed. Uh, all right. I wanted to uh, jump to football here, get your thoughts on the weekend that is coming up. But before we even get to that, I, this, this came down earlier. Uh, tell our listeners a little bit about the big commitment from Isaiah Autry, the four-star offensive tackle. That's Marcus Dupree's cousin who commits to Oklahoma. Yeah, obviously a huge win for Oklahoma, their first uh, you know, non-skill guy in this 2024 class. And you're starting to see Oklahoma pick up some momentum. About a month ago, Oklahoma didn't have a single commitment in this class, and they picked up five since then, including one in the 2025 class. So they're starting to kind of gather that, like we saw last year, kind of late spring into the early summer, you see the growth starting to happen. Isaiah Autry... Uh, you know, I won't claim the kid from Fulton, Mississippi, as someone I've seen in person yet. I'll get that fixed. But he is a guy that goes about six seven, two eighty, big, long, athletic guy. Um, one of these guys that, you know, I, I thought early in Bill Biedenboe's time at Oklahoma, he really tended to focus on kind of big mauler types. Mm. You saw more of a you know a big bodied guy that maybe he'd bring in and let Jerry Schmidt kind of change his body. But over the last few years, I've seen him go more in this direction with these athletic guys that can kind of go in the opposite direction in the weight room. They, they can put on weight. They can get bigger. They can get stronger. And, you know, do they have good feet? Do they have the length I'm looking for? And I, I don't know if that's a conscious thing or if that's just kind of the way the game has gone. But I, I think it's interesting. And, again, to go into Mississippi, to, to put in perspective, for all the national recruiting that Oklahoma has done, I mean, you can talk about – you know, Florida, California, Oklahoma's recruited everywhere. The state of Mississippi is notoriously 
very tough to recruit in because there's a lot of kind of good old boy network yes. and backhanding and guys end up at Ole Miss or Mississippi State that, you know, probably should go somewhere bigger and better. They've signed three players from the high school ranks in the state of Mississippi since the Rivals databases began in 2002. And this is the first guy they've landed in the state of Mississippi since 2015, which was Gabriel Campbell, a defensive end out of Yazoo City. So they are – this is – again, it's a good sign. And obviously they had a leg up. You mentioned their connection to Marcus Dupree. So there are things that help here. But, I mean, he took one visit to campus, and from then it's just kind of been a rolling ball to when he would actually announce. So this kind of is all the work that's leading up, right, to building the 2024 class, and they're going to be doing this the entire weekend. This is now, we've mentioned this 100 times before, these spring games are the recruiting showcases for all the top prospects from all across the country. Um, More than likely, you're going to see other commitments that happen before the weekend is over. Um, The transition is imminent with what they're doing in the future to the SEC. Um, I, I saw an argument earlier, and I guess we can start there before we get into other names, which is the argument about the the crowd doesn't matter for spring games. Like, I don't know who said that uh, at all. I think it matters uh, quite a bit to places like Oklahoma. Some of those places where it doesn't matter is are schools that aren't drawing massive crowds anyway. They're doing all the dirty work behind the scenes. But uh, you've talked to a number of players, uh, Josh, that say one of the reasons why that it's as special of a place as it is is because they can draw that many. The energy that that comes around with the spring game, it's big, which is why Venables has been trying to say everything that he did about wanting to match what they accomplished last year. Yeah, you know, I don't – the thing that to me, like why would it be any different than any game weekend? Like, well, why is it less important to have a great atmosphere and to have fans and have people invested and, you know, have kids want to sign, you know, you, yeah. Like, cause I mean, in a lot of cases, this is these kids first real exposure to the environment at OU, you know, at OU, they've, they've come for junior days or they've come for, you know, a, a random spring practice or something, but that's just, you know, the, the, the meat and potatoes of, the Oklahoma Athletic Department. I mean, they're going to meet the coaches. They're going to be around the players. And those things are incredibly important. I'm not downplaying those at all. I'm just saying it's really strange that people somehow see that as different. Like, no. I'm not saying a kid's not going to go to Oklahoma if they don't have, you know, the same atmosphere as last year. But does it help? 100%. Like, I don't know how you even argue in the contrary. I don't either. It has never really made a whole lot of sense. And yeah, to me, it's in many cases even more important because it's not doesn't fall in the traditional football season. And you're, this is a, a truly an opportunity uh, for you to flex on everyone and say, hey, look at us, even when it's not traditional football season. OK, so let's get to some of the visitors that we have coming up and just how big of a weekend it actually is for Oklahoma. Do we have a a look at, at numbers, Josh, that we can spe- expect to see in on Norman this weekend? I've got a list right now of about 45 to 50 guys confirmed. I would expect it. I, I bet you I'm undershooting by at least 30 guys. Like I, I would Lord. bet you it's closer to 80 <laughs> when it's all said and done. And I mean, and the guy, like I said, of the guys I've confirmed, I think, let me look at my list here quickly. Like, I would say six of them don't currently hold Oklahoma offers. So, I mean, like, you're talking about a lot of guys they really want. And I think. 
where you have to start is along the line of scrimmage, where, you know, kind of all spring there's been this thing amongst OU fans like, well, that's great to bring in these quarterbacks or these running backs, but where are the big guys? Why aren't the big guys here? And I think, A, I think that's a little bit of a misnomer, but at the same time, you look at who they're bringing in. You've got David Stone coming in, the five-star, you know, obviously an Oklahoma product currently playing at IMG in Florida. You've got Nigel Smith, the big defensive lineman from Melissa, Texas. Um, you've got um, a guy that I think is just now starting to become known as kind of a national-level defensive lineman, but OU's been on him for several months, and that's Joseph Jonah Ajanye, a big guy from kind of North Houston in the Conroe area, and he'll be on campus for the second time. I think Oklahoma probably leads for all three of those players. Now, we said these same things last year when we were talking about David Hicks and some of the other guys that OU just came up a little bit short on. So they're going to have to close, but the starting point is really good. I mean, if you put those guys together, and then, like I said, you mentioned on the other side of the ball where you've got Casey Poe, a big offensive lineman from Texas, that OU's been very hard after for almost a year now. Um, Garrett Sexton, a big guy, big guy from Wisconsin, and people love this story. Garrett Sexton was a high school quarterback as a sophomore, was about 6'6", 235, 240, and they're like, yeah, I mean, you could probably go play quarterback somewhere, or maybe you could take that big old frame and, you know, be Elaine Johnson and, and go play some offensive tackle. And all of a sudden, I mean, his finalists are Iowa, Penn State, Oklahoma, and Minnesota. I mean, like, those are some schools that know what they're looking at when they look at offensive linemen. So I'm like, that's that's saying something. Um, and then, you know, kind of as the last guy of, you know, this little segment would be Jason Zandamella. He's already on campus. He got there last night. A uh, big guy from Florida. I, I think he's one of the best centers in the country. Uh, really love his film. Very athletic. Um, kind of guy that fits Bill Biedenboe because he he's raw, but all the tools are there. It's just about, you know, letting a guy like Bill Biedenboe teach him and let him develop. But, again, y- you are talking, I, I think I've got about 10 to 12 offensive and defensive linemen that hold scholarship offers that will be on campus this weekend. Now that we're this far into, I can't believe I want to say this, the Brent Venables like recruiting tenure on this, uh, are you noticing things um, across each one of the different classes that he's had? Well, he came in, right, had to salvage that one and brought in some players and had a first full recruiting year. Now that we're into very, basically version three of this, what are some trends that you're noticing from what you're hearing uh, with some of the kids that are getting recruited ab- about this staff at OU? I think, you know, and it's funny, um, I actually just put up the scoop about an hour ago. It was kind of, you know, one of our weekly notes things that we put up on Fridays and was talking about a couple of staffers. And the thing that you hear, like so often when you hear, you know, head coaches, like it's kind of their vision, you know, this is how we see things. This is how we want it to be. And then it doesn't always jive with reality it doesn't mean that they don't want it to it just you know this coach recruits that way or the school is having success because of this but the word that brent brings up all the time and we've all heard it anybody listen to me i'm not breaking ground the relational he talks about it being a relationship driven recruitment that's what he wants to be that's what these kids talk about i mean like when i was talking to a commitment about um one of oklahoma's defensive uh assistants and they were talking about uh, kind of how the recruitment was handled. He goes, it was never pressure. It really was just however I wanted to handle the situation. That's how it was going to go. And he just kind of let me lead 
and you know what, what we talked about, what we would do. Like we, it was very much a kind of a joint effort in their recruitment. And it, it's one of those things where I don't know that every coach could thread that needle. It's kind of interesting to see how that works. But I, I, I definitely see where these guys so early on build these relationships, and, they, and they're smart. It's not just about the player. The coaching staff that recruits just the player is going to lose so many times because you got to recruit mom or dad or the uncle or whoever the kind of pivot guy is. There's always a guy – you know, or woman that that is kind of the that's the other person you got to have. You got to have the kid in the boat, and you got to mm-hmm. have somebody else in the boat. And I think OU's done a really good job identifying who those people are, and really making sure they have those relationships, they have that trust. And it, it's you know it's why again you know Brent Venables in, in year one during one of the worst seasons in the last twenty five years of Oklahoma football landed arguably the best class in that period of time. So it is they're, – they're doing a very good job. And, again, I think parents like that their kids aren't being pressured. There's no – this isn't something – this isn't lip service. Like, OU does not pressure these kids. That's why – if there's a couple of commitments this weekend, okay. Like, it's possible. But do I expect, like, five or six or them to try to, you know, create some false momentum like we used to see OU kind of do – uh, years ago, you know, with like the Theo Weiss and Trajan Bridges and all those things, you know, later in, the, or I guess during the Lincoln Riley era, no, I, I don't think you're going to see any of that. These kids are going to do it very, very naturally. However it happens is how it will happen. I think that's kind of the approach that he's even taking because I, I, the, the comments from Venables yesterday, and I think you can draw a lot of the same type of conclusions with the way that they handle recruits to the way that, for instance, that they're handling some of the guys that jumped in the portal, like Davis and Robertson. I mean, he basically said the same thing. as like, look, I mean, you know, I'm not one to speak for them, but he was like, listen, they, they wanted an opportunity to play maybe in different spots or looking for more of an opportunity, but then, okay, you know what? That's that's more power to them. It's not necessarily holding their feet to the fire in an instance like that and taking kind of a different approach than we've seen from various places across the country, which is, hey, man, wish them the best. Appreciate the guys, all the hard work that they had. And, hey, it's your decision. If you want to leave, like, go for it. But there's not, like, what feels like an overwhelming amount of pressure that's on them one way or the other other no i i don't think so at all and i thought his comments about Jaden davis were really interesting and telling where tory roberson i mean we get it like he's a role guy you know at best was you know maybe going to be 10 snaps a game kind of guy like he he was never going to have the kind of impact that you know i know Corey would want to have Jaden davis had a chance to start mm-hmm. like I, I don't know that he was going to i don't i don't think he would have but there's no question he would have had a real role on this team but I, I think Jaden Davis is a perfect example of when the portal really works for people. Like, Oklahoma can either decide to go get somebody else or not. They can do whatever they want to do. And at the same time, Jaden Davis gets to go somewhere that can help his future. You know, he's talking about – Jaden Davis, I, I love how honest he is with himself. Like, he knows in the NFL he's probably not an outside cornerback. He's a slot corner. He's going to be that nickel or, you know, whatever. So – if he can do that and he can show some of those skills at another place, then, hey, you know, maybe I've built something in for myself. And that's the transfer portal helping everybody. Like Oklahoma, sure, they'd rather have Jaden Davis than not. But 
it's good for him, and it doesn't hurt OU. They're they're not gonna. They're, I don't think there's gonna be any point in the season where OU fans come back and say, "Boy, if Jaden Davis was here, that game would have gone differently." It's it's not that you know. It, it's not a season deciding move for Oklahoma. So, like I said, I think this is one of those things where people love to focus on the bad moments of the portal and not, hey, this is this is kind of a win win for everybody. Uh, final couple things, uh, numbers-wise. I know with the um, incoming class coming in, they'll be a tad bit over. I would assume that that means we'll see a few more ex- exit and hit the portal when we're done. Um, how does that impact like near future? And that's probably like a question that, that needs to be saved for later on because so much is undetermined right now with who jumps in and who doesn't. But in terms of just overall numbers for the 2024 class, Josh, do they have a number in mind? Have you heard anything yet of, of where they would like to be? I haven't heard a final number. I, I think, and it's kind of a credit to them, like under the previous regime, you would hear a pretty clear Number And not to say that it couldn't vary a little bit, but you might hear 24 in the spring and then they'd sign 25 or 23. It would be very close to that number. I think they're very much working under an idea of this is all moving. Like yes. We don't know who's going to go into the portal. We don't know who's going to be available in the portal. Like that, that there is, There's too much out there to be like, well, let's just say it's going to be this. But, you know, for the people that, you know, that don't follow it closely. Oklahoma's currently at 76 scholarships. Um, They've got 12 guys incoming. So you're looking at 88 against the 85 allowed. So Oklahoma's, I mean, three guys are going to have to give. Now, what's interesting is earlier this week, there was a report about Clemson pulling back scholarships on a couple of walk-ons that have been given scholarships. Now, this earlier this spring, we all saw Brent Venables. I think it was five guys that ended up getting scholarships, getting, you know, were given scholarships during a team meeting. Now, I wonder if what Oklahoma does there is say, hey, we've got you for the spring. We're, we're going to pick you up. And, you know, maybe a guy like Gavin Freeman retains his. You, you would, that makes sense. He's playing enough. He's got an impact. He's clearly going to be a guy for this team. So, you know, he maintains his. But some of these other guys, the, the Pierce Hudgens, you know, some of those guys, like you wonder maybe, maybe do they kind of get pulled back. Because a couple of these guys, I mean, you're talking about multiple, you know, uh, Hudgens and Major Nelson have a couple of years of eligibility left at least. So do you want to, I mean, that's not usually how this works. Usually honor the senior. You know, he's got one year. We're going to give him a run. We had a spot anyway. It's fine. But to let three or four guys eat up scholarships, I, I just wonder if that's really the plan. And, again, on top of the 88 I'm talking about, they're all, they're making offers in the portal, so like it's it could push to ninety where they've got to figure out five spots. So I, I do think you're still going to see a few moves here after the spring is over on a Saturday. Last thing from me: What is Josh keeping an eye on during the actual spring game? What what are you looking at here as areas of emphasis that uh, you might have questions about? And and I, I knowing how spring football is and whatever you determine off of it, but what. Uh, kind of piques your interest the most about the actual game and performances itself? I I will just quickly hit because it's just a foundational piece of who I am. I'm very interested in the offensive line. I want to see where Tyler Guyton is. I want to see where Savion Bird is. I think those are very interesting, but I like the direction the offensive line is headed. I think that's that's got a chance to be a very successful group given time to kind of gel over the summer and into two-a-days once Walter Rouse is back. 
What I'll say, though, is the one that I'm most interested in is wide receiver. Yeah. They've got to find some answers out there. They've got to find some guys who can make plays. The early reports on Andrell Anthony are outstanding. It sounds like Jaden Gibson has made a real step forward, kind of growing up this spring. Um, I, I thought he was pretty illuminating talking to some of the media earlier this week where he just kind of sounded like, you know, I needed to grow up. Like, And, and he, his ownership of that I think is a great sign. So I, I think Jaden Gibson, Nick Anderson, if he can just stay healthy, he kind of has the same problem his brother did. He's so talented, but he just can't ever seem to string enough practices together to be ready to go. But he's a redshirt freshman, plenty of time. So I, I think those are three guys you want to watch. Does Jalil Farouk step into that Marvin Mims role? Is he ready to be a clear number one? So the, I, I just – where are they going to find plays on the outside? Because unlike last year – I don't think you're going to have the tight end impact like you saw in 2022. I, I don't. I don't think Austin Stogner's that same level of guy. So I, it'll be interesting to see where that plays out. But like I said, receiver is where I'm focused. Josh, I'll let you get back to uh, to your Gunners, and uh, let's hope that they can find a way there over Southampton. And I always appreciate your time here coming on with this in Tulsa on the Blitz, man. Always uh, enjoy your work. Thanks so much, man. Hey, Pop. Anytime, man. Thanks, man. That is Josh McQuistion joining us here on the Blitz 1170 as he does from time to time, helping us break down the recruiting weekends. Dude, think about that in total numbers of guys that are coming in. <laughs> what he, happens if half of them said, want to commit? <laughs> he said what, like 30 or 35 like is the list that he had, and he felt like that he might be undershooting it by another 30 names easily. Now, that's multiple years, but people coming in, right? Wow. Is that a lot? That seems like a uh, lot. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a lot, for sure. All right. <laughs> we will uh, we'll take a timeout. We'll come back. We've got Tulsa Oilers football for you on Saturday night, which is tomorrow night, 6.30, or as soon as OSU baseball wraps up here on the Blitz 1170. It's going to be right in that window. I'm not going to lie. Baseball starts at 1.30 on the air. Uh, I block out five hours for baseball games, so we'll see. It just depends on who's cooperating and who isn't. You know, if we have another four-plus-hour game, then uh, probably not going to end yeah, up working Dean out for Yeah, Dean said it. Sundays was 3.48. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's even – I think if it's 3.48, 30-minute pregame – they do like themselves a post-game show, though. So we'll see. By the way, OSU baseball coming up tonight, 5.30 here on the Blitz as they take on Kansas on the road up in Manhattan. Saturday's game, a 1.30, and Sunday at 12.30. That's the airtime. So Tulsa Oilers football come your way right after. Coming to you live from the Ike Chile House studio, serving four generations of Tulsa since 1908. Let's take a timeout. We'll come back. Uh, the Blitz mix in the 3 o'clock hour right here on the Blitz 1170. Thank you for listening to this exclusive Blitz 1170 podcast from Bravado Wireless.